Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Praise going for Jesus. Hey, let's just praise God. I think we can do better than that. Just keep that praise going. I just thank God for, you know, for being able to share today. I really feel that God's dropped something in my heart for the church and, and also for me as a person, as a family as well. So uh, I, I'm believing that there's going to be something imparted today in your hearts through this message. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats. And um, as I do, I want to thank the, the team. Uh, it's good to see Pastor Jordan back in the drums. And uh, I was joking about being, kind of putting him in a box. I feel safe when he's behind and not in, on a mic slapping us around with truth and faith and telling her to be shush. <laughs> yeah, such a blessing. Um, great. You know, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Jared and Sue as well, uh, firstly, uh, and a big welcome to everyone who's joining us online as well. Um, for, you know, Pastor Jared and Sue, for their, for their choice, their sacrifice, for putting God first, and for, for the church. And, uh, you know, personally for me, uh, being my pastor and, uh, and leading me through, through the season in life, I want to thank our pastoral team as well, um, who, you know, day in, day out, week and week, year after year, they keep chugging away and loving on people. So I just want to give and acknowledge them and give them a big hand as well, please. So they are, they are here to love you and lead you. I just want to thank my family, uh, Apana and the kids. Um, despite everything that's about me, they are with me. <laughs> and uh, cheering me on. So yeah, I love, love, love them and I don't probably say them enough, say that enough, but I do. Uh, Let's get straight into the scripture. <laughs> get get past these awkward pauses. Um, I want to, uh, you know, direct you today to this scripture from Matthew chapter five, verse forty-eight. This is the last verse in that chapter, chapter five. Uh, but you, this is Jesus asking us. He says, "But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect." I mean, a big absolute statement. You are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus is asking this. Um, this is in the very beginning of his ministry. You know, in chapter 4, in, in Matthew chapter 4, we read about uh, the devil tempting Jesus, um, and then him choosing his disciples. He's then, people are drawn to him. He's, he's outworking all these miracles. And then the crowds have gathered and he starts preaching to them. This is what happens at the beginning of chapter 5 where he talks about, you know, how does God bless you? Whom does the blessing of God go to? He talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and then he talks about being the salt and light of the earth. Um, salt and light of the earth. I mean, Pastor Amber spoke a great word Friday. If you, have, if you missed it, hey, get a podcast. And, and he then teaches about the law. He teaches about teaches us about not being angry, you know, not, it teaches us about adultery and not swearing and about revenge. And then he ends all of this teaching with a love for our enemies. He says, hey, be ready to show the other cheek. 
And he says, hey, by doing all of these things, you become a true child of God, is what he says. And then he teases us, hey, there's a big reward in this, there's a big reward in this. But he then sets this expectation in the last verse where he says, you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Please note that God is perfect. It's already a thing, right? It's done and dusted, right? But he, Jesus is asking us to be perfect. To be in that motion towards perfection like God. I've titled my message today around this ask of Jesus. The pursuit of perfection. Okay? <laughs> Just thought, again, awkward pauses. But that's okay. Hey, but you know, most of the time we are in a pursuit of our own. We are all on a race. You know, anyone on a race? Anyone on a chase? The hunt? You know, otherwise, if you're not chasing something, we're running away from something. You know, it's because of fear, disappointment, hurt, offense, opinions, whatever that looks like, we're running away from things. If you're not chasing something, you're not running away from something, then you're likely to be distracted. You're aimless, you're lost, you're pandering, you're pottering, you're plodding, you're going around in circles like a headless chook, not knowing where we're going. So you're somewhere in this, and I've been in this, you know, in multiple ways, doing one of those three things. Hey, and again, there's many different pursuits that we do, you know, the macro things in life like success, happiness, fame, prestige, recognition, wealth, excellence, affirmation, you know, meaning in life, um, looking at freedom, you know, you, you chase all these macro things. Sometimes it's the small things, it's the micro things we're chasing, like the job, the car, the house, you know, a business, uh, a promotion in, a, in my workplace, a leadership position in, in church or wherever you are. You know, you're looking for love. You're looking for, you know, a clear inbox, a completed task list. And for me, sometimes it's a clean and tidy house, which I'm constantly chasing. I never seem to get there. But nothing seems to be enough or good enough, right? It seems to be like we're caught up in this constant drug that we are trying to feed off. There's a relentless craving that we have. It just seems to be the way we are designed to be chasing something, always. But the funny thing is that we know somewhere that we can never be satisfied by these temporal things. We know that already. Yet, we keep pursuing them with so much vigor and so much rigor. The perfect life, the perfect love, the perfect job, the perfect customer, the perfect whatever. For me personally, I met Jesus when I was 15 years old. I grew up in a Catholic family, but um, I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 15. I went to one of those VBS, if you heard of that, vocational Bible school, and I got slammed and really impacted. Like I started, you know, speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit was over me. It was such an amazing experience. I was on fire for God as a very young kid. Um, but then I drifted away without really a good, strong foundation in him. I didn't get the kind of discipleship that I would have probably wanted or I wasn't you know, earning enough. But what really took me off was a successful career. And when I was 21, I, had, um, I was already quite successful when I was 21. Um, when success in, in the worldly sense, I was the vice president of a $300 million company. And 21, that's pretty, pretty massive. I had a corner office on the, on the ninth floor lo overlooking a lake which have, with some fancy things. And I had this image, you know, the posters that you put up to, to tell people how intelligent you are, right? 
I'm sure all of you have scriptures in your office. But when I, then, back then, I had this in my office. Uh, here's a quick image, if you can see that. It says, perfection is our goal. And excellence is tolerated. Man, I sounded so good when I, when I had this. I would call people into my office when I were having team meetings. Hey, we are after perfection. We are after this. Can please take that off? I feel very embarrassed now. When I <laughs> really, I was, I was all in. I was like pushing people. I was driving people. Get there, do this. And I was personally doing that myself. You know, all this time, I felt like Jesus was always around me. And always. I could lean into Jesus. I can tap into him. I, but he was, I don't think he was really in me in the season. I was just too full of myself. I was too successful for myself. I was multiplying things on my own. You know, I felt like a fast car, right? I went from, in multiple, multiple times in my life, I went from, you know, success, which looked like zero to 100 employees in a year. I went from my first million in 24 months, you know, but I just ran out of gas. <laughs> I just felt like, you know, I wasn't, I was trying to fill and fill and fill, and actually, I felt like a lead balloon at some point, to the point of suicide. Because it was a complete contrast to what success and the things that I chased after and where I ended up. And I really had to cry out to God, right? And all of this, I was in the pursuit of my own perfection or my definition of perfection and all of this. You know, how exciting if I could get there. I was pretty close many times <laughs> in my own mind. The next big deal, the next customer, the next acquisition, the next round of venture capital funding, whatever that looked like for me. This was, this was fun, this was, it was intoxicating to a large extent, and I felt like I was always, almost there, always. There's one problem with this, right? There's one big problem in all of this. This all revolved around me. My wants, my desire, my neediness, my lack. It was just, you know, trying to fill this. And in Psalms, we read this in 119 verse 96. The psalmist writes, to all perfection, this is all earthly perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless, right? The, I, to all perfection, I see a So let's take happiness as, as something that we chase, you know, for example. This was really interesting for me when I was doing, you know, preparing this message. Happiness was the most searched word on Google during the pandemic. It was the most searched word, the pursuit of happiness. Lots of, you know, things make me happy. When my kids say, yes, daddy, I'm going to do it. When my, when my wife says yes and amen. <laughs> it's one of the things, you know, as we search for more happiness, <laughs> we end up more unhappy. They try, you know, then they found, okay, you, you know, let's correlate money and happiness. And what happens with money and happiness is they found that they did a lot of study and they found out that's about $75,000 as an annual income. Happiness and money have no correlation, which is interesting. And then they studied that a little bit further, then they found in another study that, hey, actually, the more money you make, you can be happy, but what you use that money for and what the meaning behind life becomes what makes you happy. Anyway, you know, when we talk about pursuit, we're searching or seeking something we don't have. That's why we're yearning. We are, we're always looking for something that isn't there. You know, I remember a road trip that I took with my kids, Samara, uh, who's 10 years old now. When she was about six months, we went on this adventurous trip um, of 6,000 kilometers driving across Australia. What was I thinking? <laughs> I had uh, Jaden, who was about um, 
oh, about three years old, and uh, Samara was six months, and we were just trying to get them onto the front-facing car seat, and you know that whole thing. And we were on a six thousand, uh, about four, four to six thousand kilometers anyway, Brisbane to Adelaide, and then all the way back. And this is when we were living in distant in Brisbane, and constantly I remember this, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? There's either that or the constant crying of, of Samara in my ear, right? It just feels like life goes on, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there? This was just going on and on and on and on in, in my life. This is what life really feels like when we're pursuing the things that we set for before ourselves. Like, let's look to God and understand what His Word teaches us us about this pursuit of perfection. Are you ready for that? Yes. Come on. So how do we get this perfection? In 1 Peter 5.10, it's written, after you have suffered a little while, after the, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we here? The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So he will perfect you, but he'll also confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So I want to start highlighting on those three uh, words there. Confirm, strengthen, and establish. So how does God's perfection get confirmed? How does it get strengthened? And how does it get established in you? And that's really the, uh, the rest of my message right now. It says that, hey, what can we do in this life? What can we do by ourselves to get this perfection? You know, it says uh, our earthly pursuit is just the works that we do, right? We are not justified by those works. We're not made righteous by those words. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 2.16. Our own pursuit of, you know, leading holy lives leads us to failure. You know, we all fall short. That's what the Bible says. We all fall short on our own strength. In Romans 3.23, we cannot understand the true measure of perfection. Now, how do you measure perfection? It's quite interesting, right? So we, let's talk about a quantitative measure of perfection. The perfect job, as I said, you know, the works that you do, the deeds that you do, the speech, the achievements, the wealth, the perfect family, could be all of these measures of that. Or it could be, you know, the qualitative things, because sometimes success and perfection is a perception, right? What's your idea of that? What's your thought behind it? What's the abstract construct of what it can look like? There could be a qualitative way that we might define it and a quantitative way that we might define it. Right, they did a study to understand the perceived measures of being, being driven and being successful and being, you know, looking after perfection, right? And they did that as, as you went through the study, there were some patterns that emerged about how we perceived perfection. Right? It, it was called, you know, one of the first things that there's ever-increasing standards, which means that the goalpost always started to shift and move and go, you know, is always beyond where you reached and you had to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. The second thing it led to was obsessiveness. You got absolutely obsessed about that and that's how you got into perfection. Right? Then it led to rigid and dichotomous thinking. Now, rigid and dichotomous thinking, you think it's black or white, it's good or bad, all or nothing. And ultimately, all of this led to a pattern of dissatisfaction. Most of the successful people, you know, without really just being driven on this pursuit of perfection, ended up with some real personal challenges. You know, that could be suicide or broken relationships or whatever that looked like, and lots of interpersonal difficulties. But we can look to God to confirm, strengthen, and establish His perfection in us. His perfection in us. Are you with me? Yeah. 
Still? Okay, good. The first point I have is God's perfection is confirmed in his promise. God's perfection is confirmed in his promise. Hey, when we talk about promises, I can't go beyond, you know, Abraham. So I want to start there. Now, this is God's promise to Abraham. No, this was after the sin of Adam and Eve. And there's, they have had a tough life. Um, there's terrible consequences for sin. And when it comes to Abraham, we see a glimpse of God's redemption coming into play. As we come into Christmas, we need to understand that the significance of what Abraham did in this birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus has split history, right? But the birth of Jesus was God's perfect plan for us. That's the perfection. In the, but it all started with Abraham. It says in, in Genesis 12, 1-4, Lord said to Abram, he was not even Abraham then, it was Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. You know, remember this, a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who retreat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75 years. I don't have patience for all that. Abraham was promised a great nation, he's going to be a blessing, he will be famous, God's going to bless him with things. Seems like a pretty good deal. I would take this even when, I was, when I'm 75, I reckon. Right? But after all this comes up, you know, he's got significant prosperity. He has, uh, there's some conflict happening within the teams between his nephew Lot, and he sends them off, blesses them off, and then has, has to rescue him from his enemies. And then sometime later, Lot spoke to Abram. It's Genesis 15 starts with these words, it says, sometime later. This is Abram now starting to complain. Oh, you said you'll give me this nation and all of those things, and, but I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be able to do this because he says, you know, I don't have a son. I don't know if, who's going to be my, get my inheritance. Then the Lord said to him in chapter 15, verse 4 to 6, he says, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the skies and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as his righteousness. Now, this is God re literally promising him the stars. Yeah. Literally promising him the stars, right? Our pursuit of perfection is in that revelation. For Abram, it has to be God's revealed a promise. There's a revelation of the promise. But the thing is, it doesn't stop there and it should never stop there. It should come with confirmation of that promise. We must be bold enough to ask God for confirmation and affirmations. Well, Abram did that. It says in, in verse 7 to 8, it says, Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram said, Oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Well, God just told him. Is that not good enough? No, but he wants a confirmation. Hey, we need to be bold enough when there are prophetic things, when there are dreams and, and, and things that God has planted in us or people have spoken into our lives. We need to not just take the revelation, but we need to have a confirmation. God's perfection is firstly in the confirmation of his promise, the confirmation of his promise, right? 
for me, it was always a confirmation through the Holy Spirit. When I'm reading the Bible, it just jumps out at me multiple times. And I'm a reluctant mover when it comes to some of these things in my reading of the word. It'll just be straight in there. Then I take it to my leaders. I get counsel. I work through that, work patiently through it. And sometimes they're like, what are you thinking? Is the response that I get. But I just keep going. God's told me this. Then it'll come to pass. God will speak through other people. God will speak through his word. The Holy Spirit will prompt me to do this. One of those things that happened to me was the decision to move from Brisbane to Perth. It's funny that I'm standing here and doing this at this point, but I had no clue what was happening back when we moved, when we moved the family. You know, I had to, you know, my, my business was more moving more into Perth. I was traveling one week here, one week in, in Brisbane with a young family. Ari was one year old when I was doing this, and I was doing this for almost three years, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, God was telling me to move, and I was like, you know, I didn't want to leave church. That was the main thing. Our family was there, Connect Group was there, we were serving. That was pretty much our entire thing. And I had to go, you know, lean into God. God really have to tell me this has to happen. I took it to my, my pastors. We had we prayed over it, we spoke over it. You know, they were reluctant in a way, reluctant to let me go, but they wanted. But we prayed, and there was a peace through all of these things. You know, this happened. Wait, I came here. Well, I gave Apana about six weeks to move because there was a clear word. We needed to go with three kids. Um, we came here. When we came, the first thing we looked at was, you know, where's the church that God wants us to go? It wasn't the house. It wasn't. We looked at about, you know, north of the river, south of the river. That's what you do when you come to Perth. <laughs> Waited about 60, I looked at about 60 houses in the south side. Uh, I looked at one house on the, on the north side, and that's where we ended up. <laughs> but the thing was, we already chose, even before I started looking for a house, we already chose, chose the church. We said, if you're going to go to um, the south side, we're going to go to this church. If it was on the north side, we're going to come to Global Heart because we came here, we felt loud, God was leading us. This is the only church, literally, I've been in, in Perth. <laughs> it's not funny. But, you know, God, God just brought us here. You know, I came in, and, and, but challenges come, right? As soon as we came in, about a week, a week after I came in, my guy, dad got really sick. <laughs> so I brought the whole family out here, dropped them all here, took a plane, went to India, <laughs> left Apana, who was extremely unhappy. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Hey, I just want to thank Pastor Murray in that season and our pastoral team. She came around, encouraged us, got us plugged in. Just the love of what she does to so many people, so many people day in and day out. I just want to thank you, <laughs> Pastor Murray, for that. And, you know, for me, I'll, I'll always continue to honor that and what, what, what you've done for us. I'll always come and ask you for advice. I'll always come and ask you for what, Pastor Murray, pray for us, stand for us. You know, God's, but God's perfection is revealed and confirmed in his promises. That's the first thing, right? So let's then look at what, once the confirmation comes, how do you then strengthen and establish it? What does strengthening really look? God's perfection is strengthened in your perseverance. Right? Now, Abraham lived in a time before we hear of the kings and the prophets. Right? He was a businessman. I love that. He was called a prince, a landlord. He was a farmer. He was a shepherd. He employed many people. He had many possessions. He was a father, a brother, a family man. He was a peacemaker. He was a negotiator. He was a warrior. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Sounds like a really successful person with a lot of influence. 
But he still, you know, even all of this came because he trusted God and put God first and God told him all of these things. But he still did his own thing. He still did his own thing. You know, this is after 75. When he was 75, he got moved and he got all these blessings and, and all of these things. In chapter 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me. Well, she's already put God in a box there. God has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So it was like, ah, oh, I waited for three months. I haven't got my... I haven't gotten what I wanted, you know. I'm looking at the time. I'm looking at the calendar. This is 10 years. So I can understand that frustration. Where you can all see, okay, I've been waiting for this. But what happened, you know, because of that birthing, it says in, 15, in 16, a lot of things happened. It created a lot of strife between, say, Sarah and Hagar. There was contempt. There was harshness. There was a running away story. And God really promises that you will give birth to a child to, to Hagar. And she said, but you will birth a wild donkey who will be full of conflict. Right? So it says, so Hagar gave birth to a son in chapter 16. It says, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. It's funny that, you know, when we go off and birth Ishmael's in our life, there is no peace then. There was conflict that was established, and there is conflict today. There is no peace in this. I can understand that frustration, as I said, uh, but we can't stray away from the perfect will of God, the pursuit of his perfection, the pursuit of his promise, and try to make it happen. We are all doing this all the time, and I, I do it. I'm, I'm speaking to myself as I'm as I'm saying this, you know, we find justifications to, to move forward in our wishes, our desires. It might come from a place of frustration, agitation, offense, or recognition, whatever that looks like. It might be your job. You know, you might hate your boss. Don't want to go to work. You know, you move to a new city when your family is just getting established in church, right? You, know, you might be in a relationship, but you don't want to keep pushing through, you know, because God's bringing some things out in you. It could be any of those things. You could be in a serving capacity in church and your time poor and your priorities change and you want to do something else. You don't want to go to Connects during the week because uh, I just had a busy week. You don't want to come to church or you want to leave church because you're offended and you can't bring in con conflicts and resolve or whatever that looks like. We have to cling to God's perfection and His promise. The funny thing is that when we start birthing Ishmael's and that's not God's perfect will, what happens is we are meant to actually birth Isaac's, but we birth Ishmael's in the process. The purpose of Isaac, Isaac was to bring Jesus to people. The purpose of Isaac was to bring Jesus to people. So when we are not doing what God's plan A is, we can bring conflict in that process of creating people to Jesus. The only reason to leave a job or a closed business or leave a connect or leave a church has to be if God has actually told you to do that. And that is affirmed by the Holy Spirit, Scripture, continuous praying, godly counsel. You need to come through all of these seasons because God is perfect. The funny thing is that despite all of this, God comes through. Even through our mistakes, God comes through. He's come through for me. We have so much grace. 
you know, the quicker I humble and repent, the faster this has happened in my life. The quicker I go, sorry, Lord, I um, shouldn't have done that. My bad. Can you please help me? Then the faster the restoration has happened. God will eventually come through for you, just like he did for Abram and Sarah by giving them Isaac. So perseverance is costly. It's a sacrifice of your feeling, your desire, your frustration, your hurt, your pain. It's about taking control of your spiritual self and talking to yourself. As Pastor Jared says, talk to yourself, talk to your feelings, talk to your emotions, talk to your hurts, your anxiety, offense, opinions. Talk and bring that under the alignment of the Word of God. That's pretty much what we need to be if you are searching for this perfection. It says perseverance is the path to perfection. It says in James 1, 3 to 4 in the Amplified Version, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience, you know, life's experiences, produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result, you know, Again, that word perfect, and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. So we should be rejoicing in perseverance. We should be happy these challenges are happening because it's creating spiritual maturity, inner peace, and getting a perfect result for Jesus. (laughs) Not a lot of excitement. (laughs) Perfection is not a destination. It's a continuum in our life. It's a constant push. It's a constant per- perseverance into the perfect God. Right? And the third point. Let's get moving. The third point is God's perfection. We, we spoke about how it gets confirmed, how it gets strengthened, how it's established, right? How it's established in your life. God's perfection is established in kingdom purpose. Kingdom purpose. Now, Genesis 17, 1 to 5, it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell, fell face down on the ground. God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of multitude, multitude of nations. Now, the original blessing was about one nation, a nation. But what... Abraham has done through this, or Abram has done through this. He's birthed multiple nations. You get all these pockets that you're going and are in conflict with each other. Even though he's the father of everything, there's going to be conflict among your children. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Its name got changed. Its name got changed because he started birthing many nations, and God still blessed him. And further on it says, God, the Lord kept his word and did for, for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham, Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, goes on and it says, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. 75 when he got given the promise. 25 years that he's asked to persevere and does all his own thing before he actually gets the promise of what comes through. But do you understand that Isaac was not really God's promise? God's promise was multiples, which is you and me. The restoration of you and me. He was meant to be a father of many nations. 
right? He took many turns. He lived to 175 years, man. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> what that looks like. He was meant to be the lineage through which Jesus comes. He was picked. His kingdom purpose was that you and I get saved and Jesus comes through to restore him. In this time of Christmas, you know, I, I wonder if, if Abraham knew what his actual purpose was. If he was looking at us, he was looking at the perfect plan of Jesus coming through his lineage. That was the reason God picked him up, moved him. And would he have tried to do things on his own? Would he have wanted to move the chess pieces, you know, and to line up his ducks? Would, if he understood the gravity of where God's actually... His, it's been thousands of years. He has no clue what's happening right now, right? In a way, you know. But that's those choices that we make today about birthing our Ishmael's have to be very careful because what God is doing through us, His perfection in us, His perfect will for us, we have no clue. It's hard for us to unpack, hard for us to understand, hard for us to even get a, a sense of that. We just need to trust, keep going through, keep going through, keep persevering through that. And it's your kingdom purpose that needs to keep driving you, your establishment. Right, your strong, strong foundation has to be on that. Now we are in pursuit of this perfect God, and it says in um, Matthew one one, just to close it off as to His kingdom purpose or Abraham's kingdom purpose. It says this is the beginning of the New Testament. It says this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. That was the kingdom purpose of Abraham and what he was meant to do for us. Through the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus, we have inherited God's promise to Abraham. God's promise to Abraham. The pursuit of perfection in God. And we are asked to work that. It says in Galatians 3.29, Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. Now that you belong to Christ, you are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. God's promising you and me the stars. Really, he's promising you and me, the stars. Can I encourage you today? Stay the course that God set before you. Be in the pursuit of this godly perfection set before us. Keeping and persevering so God can perfect, confirm, establish, and reveal what He's got for you in your life. And let's just stand up as we, as we pray. And let's see, the, the team can lead us in worship as well. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.